I'm Mike Vardy, and I'm about to have a productive conversation with Eric Partaker. Okay, you've heard of an alarm. An alarm is a sound. It's an alert. It's something that triggers you. And there are three alarms that I'm going to talk about during this productive conversation with Eric Partaker. I'm really excited to have him on the program. Eric is uh, just someone that that I didn't really know a lot about. But as soon as I got the book, The Three Alarms, I'm like, oh, he gets it. And you're going to learn a lot about what I mean by him getting it during our conversation. Let's just get to it. Here's my conversation with Eric Partaker. Enjoy. I'm holding on to your book, The Three Alarms. Uh, a simple system to transform your health, wealth, and relationships forever. And I have to say, in all of the interviews I've done for my podcast over the many years, and we're well over, we're in, you know, we're right, we're nearing 400 episodes at this point. Um, when someone says a simple system, I'm like, all right, sure it is. And then I go through the book. I'm like, no, this is the simplest system that I've ever come across to do what you set out to do. We're gonna get to how how it is so simple and technology people who are like a little bit more tech agnostic are going to be thrilled because it's not going to be something that they it's not like they have to jump into a special app or or learn some kind of special amazing um, um uh you know uh framework or system it literally is incredibly simple i want to get into um the way you've divided up this book you've you've kind of talked about like how you got to where to making the decision of putting mm-hmm. something like this in place. Then, of course, uh, and, and let's get into that right away because you're not an old dude. Like, I'm, we're looking at you right now, and yet death at <laughs> death at nearly 30,000, like death in the sky. Can you can we go into there first? Because it, it's, as I read it, as someone who has been thinking, you know, I mean, I've read, you know, books like When Breath Becomes Air and, you know, Mortality, as you get older, you think about it. But I'm like, looking at you going, Really? That almost happened to you? Let's dive into that a little bit, okay? Yeah, no problem. So yeah, I'm 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 forty-five, so you know, I'm not not uh definitely not old. And ten years ago, I certainly wasn't older. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, uh, this unless this is like the what was the what was the Benjamin Button. Benjamin yeah. Button. <laughs> no, so um yeah, I so you know I, I got on a got on a plane um, about ten years ago. I was returning to um, London, and um, you know at that time flying you know across Europe, uh, working in various places, and uh, cabin doors closed in the plane, and I could sense you know something's not right, and um, I have a lot of pressure in my chest, and um, the plane reaches cruising altitude, that pressure's become pain. Uh, whole left arm is like ice cold. Like basically so cold that I said to my buddy sat next to me, I was like, Lewis, please, you know, feel my arm here. Cause, and Lewis feels my arm. He's got the same look in his face as kind of I had. Um, and uh, he's like, it feels like your arm's been hanging in a meat locker. And at this point I'm starting to sweat. I'm feeling quite nauseous. And uh, Lewis jumps over and gets the attention of a stewardess who um, uh, asked if there's a doctor on board. And luckily for me, there was one. Um, so like when that question comes out, you know, is, is there a doctor aboard? You see that on plant, you see that on TV shows and in movies, you don't really hear it in real life all that often. Yeah. And, uh, and when you hear it in connection to yourself, it's like not that great. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so uh, doctor comes up and um, takes my vital signs and says, we need to land the plane immediately. I think he's having a heart attack. And thank God, you know, he was there. He said those words. And um, uh, as you can imagine, if you, you know, when you hear that, it's, I, 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 I was, I was scared out of my mind. Like I was, you know, I was just. And everything kind of floods out of your head, right? Like, like it's interesting because, you know, I've I there was an article not too long ago as we're recording this where somebody was having a heart attack and they were thinking about your your thoughts went to a place that I think mine would, which is, oh, my God, my kids, my family. And but they could have very easily gone. And actually, this is a good question for you. Um, this other gentleman, he he was having a heart attack. And one of his thoughts were, oh, my gosh, how am I going to deal with this big project that we're doing at work? Like there was a lot of that stuff that flooded through his head. And I think it was a Reddit post or something like that. If I can find it, I'll throw it in the show notes. Um, but he basically, when he finally got things sorted, he realized, like, what the heck was I thinking about? So it, there's two ways, I guess, you can go with this. Now, did you have thoughts beyond? Because in the book you talk about, like, definitely the holy, you know, like, I'm. were you were those other imbalanced thoughts of work coming to mind, too, during that time? Like, or no, not at all. No, not for That's me. That's good. I, yeah. I, 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 felt, I felt scared and ashamed. Yeah. Um, I was scared because I remember I, I was thinking, cause when you're 35,000 feet in the air, I mean, how far from safety, like I'd have to be an astronaut to be further from safety. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, 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 and where are you 35,000 feet? Because if you're over land, that's one thing. If you were over like the Pacific ocean or the Atlantic, that's a whole other thing. Right. And luckily we were, we right. were over. The, um, and, um, and I was ashamed because, um, you know, I remember I was sit, sitting there like swearing to myself thinking yeah. like, I've, I've done this. Like, you know, I, I created this and, um, see prior to that point, like I was, um, I, I mean, I'm so obsessed. I have to admit, I'm so obsessed with achievement, but you know, these days I approach it from like, um, the excitement of doing more what? rather than it was like the, I was approaching it from a sense of lack before, like if right. I don't, achieve, I'm nothing. Well, cause you, you, I mean, and, and Maslow's hierarchy of needs comes up in the book quite a few yeah. times. And I, and I, I love Maslow's work because I, I think that when people are looking at achieving, they often get stuck in the, they, they get stuck in this. I have to do this. I have to do this. Like there's a lot of have tos and they get, they never get to that level four or level five. Right. And you were really focused on the level five, but the problem is, is that if you're only focused on the level five and you forget about the, some of the other ones along the way, like if there has to be some balance there. Right. And I guess that's part of what was going through your head. Right. Totally. And, um, and I had, you know, in the 10 years prior to that, um, I was doing, you know, hundred hour work weeks at McKinsey and company where I started off as a consultant, um, uh, helping scale up Skype before we sold it to eBay. Mm -hmm. for, you know, I built after I left Skype, I, I built, um, a chain of Mexican restaurants. And, and so it was just, you know, it's one thing after the other, all on this hamster wheel of achievement. So, so all this is flashing through my mind and I'm thinking my heart's going to stop completely just before we reach safety. That's what I was thinking. And, um, and the plane, uh, touches, you know, the ground, they had shut down the runway, um, for the emergency landing. I couldn't help, but Google like a week later, what does it cost the airline? <laughs> and apparently it's like, you know, $150,000 or something for an emergency. landing. I think I paid like 150 bucks for the ticket. So their return on me was awful. 
Um, and um, although I'm sure it's probably you probably sure. you probably brought it back up. It's it's probably okay at this point. And leading up to that point, yeah. So the plane lands, emergency response team boards the plane. Um, no easy feat, by the way, trying to carry a six foot two, two hundred pound man, you know, out of the seat um, on that skinny little aisle of over everyone's heads on a stretcher. People thinking, um, yeah, and they they've landed the plane in an emergency fashion. I'm sure the passengers were kind of like, what, like worried. There a, yeah, there was a family next to me. I still have them in my head, um, and they were almost like hysterical in tears because they thought basically that they were witnessing a death. I feel bad for them still to this day because I, I, they probably think that I died. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's one of those things that you. Yeah. It, but again, this gets back to control too, right? Like some elements of command. Like, I mean, you, you, after this incident, you made changes, you decided to take, take action. And rather than fall into some of the peak performance traps that you, which you list in the book, we're not going to get into those because we want people to pick up the book and, but you start, you, you started to make some changes because that wasn't just the only thing. Like there was a bunch of things that led up to that point that kind of set off Interestingly enough, ironically, an alarm, not one of the three alarms, but definitely set off alarm bells for you, right? Totally. And the first the first alarm bell ended up being, um, which I didn't think of as an alarm bell in the moment, but I did think of as one the next morning, were the words that came out of my mouth when they put me in the ambulance. So they put me in the ambulance, they administered nitrates to increase the blood flow to the heart. And, um, and I remember I, you know, looking at the paramedic looking down at me and I just said, you know, please don't let me die. I have a five-year-old son. So unlike the person that you referenced earlier, I didn't say, you know, please don't let me die. I need to complete that project. Yeah. And I would think most people, if they genuinely thought they're about to bite the dust would probably gravitate towards, oh my gosh, I you know, that, that, that loved one or that close yeah, or, one. Or, or I do, or I have so much more to do. Like they won't hone in on something like as super uh, specific as that spreadsheet that is due on Monday. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and, and so that really struck, struck me. Right. Because I thought of three things which ended up um, uh, being the, um, you know, the, the things that, that, that inspired these three alarms. You know, I, I just thought to myself, well, why, why did I get into that situation? Starting an online business or expanding your physical storefront online has never been easier thanks to Shopify. This global commerce platform supports you at every stage of your business journey. From launching your online shop to managing a million orders, Shopify is there to simplify and accelerate your growth. It's not just about selling products. So Shopify helps you manage every aspect of your business with their all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system. But that's not all. Shopify helps you convert visitors into customers with the best converting checkout process on the internet, which performs up to 36% better than other platforms. And now a special offer for my listeners. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash timecrafting, all lowercase. Whether you're just starting out or looking to scale up, Shopify is the perfect partner for your business. Managing passwords can be a real headache, right? Think about it. Every website requires a new password. Each one needs to be unique, secure, and somehow memorable. But there's a better way. Welcome to the world of 1Password, where your entire company can generate strong, unique passwords, store them securely, and access them across any device without ever needing a reset. 
Imagine never having to click Forgot Password again. With 1Password's award-winning design, managing passwords becomes a breeze for you and your entire team. It's trusted by millions, including top companies like IBM and Slack. Here's the best part. My listeners can try 1Password for free for two weeks. Right now, get your free trial at onepassword.com slash ProductiveConvo. Secure your passwords and simplify your online security with 1Password. Because of overworking. Right. But it's not to say that work isn't important. Work fulfills us. You know, we want to do our best. It's one of the ways in which we kind of, you know, achieve and feel good about, you know, our progress. And um, so I knew work was part of the mix. Um, you know, why did the plane land? Well, because of my health. So health is important. Mm-hmm. So that has to be in the mix. But what were the first words out of my mouth? And they dealt with relationships. And yeah. so I knew that, okay, relationships need to be, you know, and that became my three-legged stool. You know, I thought, okay, I need to get my health, my wealth, you know, in terms of how I make the money and what I do with it, my health, my wealth, and my relationships. Those need to be balanced. Take one leg off the three-legged stool, you start to have imbalance. Take two legs off, you're sitting on a pogo stick. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, so what's the minimum number of legs that you need to create stability? The three. And and I realized that my instability, my imbalance, the fact that all that happened is because I didn't have the three legs in place. Let's talk about um, IPA, not beer. People have listened to my books before. I listened to my podcast before, rather. And they know I'm a beer fan. Back when I was doing a show called Mike's on Mike's, we had a segment called What Are You Drinking? I live in the Pacific Northwest. We have a nice, healthy beer culture up here. But IPA that we're not talking about is is beer, are we? We're talking about these three. And again, I love acronyms, but let's get into what these three are um, so that we can help people. Because again, those aren't necessarily the three alarms either. They're more the triggers for the alarms, right? Yeah, yeah, or they're 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 um, they represent they represent these stool these elements of the the legs of the stool that we're talking about. The, the book is essentially um, a three by three matrix. Yes, whereby it's my what, what 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 I'm suggesting is that our path to reaching our full potential rests in our ability to operate at our best on the health front, the wealth front, and the relationship front. Yeah that our levers for doing that going across them is IPA. So getting our identity, right. Mm-hmm. Our productivity, right. And our anti-fragility, right. Across our health, wealth, and relationships. And I have anti-fragility, anti-fragile right here. So this is a book that is, it's, it's, it's a deep read, but when you, when you get into it and what's interesting is most people, when they hear about the the movie, the black swan, don't realize that, Taleb's book, he's written much more. And this one, I think, is like, and, and you allude to this in the book. Like, I mean, this comes up. This is the totally. book that that if you're going to pick up a book by Taleb, this is the one. Yeah, no, Anti-Fragile um, was absolutely, you know, the inspiration for that that piece of it. Let, let's start start there since we were just talking about yeah. that. So Anti-Fragile, like when people hear that word, they're like, you know, a lot of times it's the first time they've ever heard it, like Anti-Fragile, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. And one of the simple ways to think about it is that if you were a, um, uh, let's say you're a, a shipping container and you got your label on the side and it's like, okay, well, what does the label say? If it says fragile, the box takes a couple of hits and it breaks. Yep. You know, if, um, if I say, well, what's the opposite of that? And you might say, ah, it's robust. Okay. But that just means you're stronger. You could take a few more hits, but the box still breaks. Yep. Then you're like, no, 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 I got it. I'm resilient. 
And okay, true, that is stronger than fragile, um, but that just means by definition that you absorb shock and return to the same. So I hit the box and then it's still the same looking box, nothing's really changed. But the true opposite of fragile is anti-fragile, whereby the more I hit the box, the stronger it becomes. It, it also ties into the I, which is identity. It's far, you, I mean, to say that you are anti-fragile, there's this noun, there's a, there's a, there's a odd, ironically, or, or actually purposefully, there's a strength to that, right? You can say, yeah. I'm anti-fragile. And it, I think there's a depth to it there that maybe resilience or determined or whatever doesn't have. And maybe it's because it's it's maybe a hotter word right now than some of the other ones. But when you go through that work, and when you go through, obviously you discuss it in the three alarms, it really resonates. Yeah, and it it, it is a powerful word. And words, you know, word choice. It, it's, par it's paramount. It, it, words win political, you know, races. Words... Uh, have rallied people to do good, and words have rallied people to do incredible evils. What was and what was Skype's slogan again that you mentioned in the book? It was the whole world can talk for free. That that is powerful, and those are a set of words. And there's a there's a you know it's hard to get around that, right? You know, I mean, I re I may not have remembered what the quote was initially, but I knew it was powerful because it was like it was a grand statement, right? So words matter. Words are incredibly important. So when you talk about like anti-fragile having some weight and gravitas to it, having it being a powerful wor uh, word, it is. And um, and so I think of anti-fragility as like, wouldn't it be cool if you could put on a suit of armor mm -hmm. and go throughout your day and every blow that the armor took, the stronger it became. And when I, you know, think, when I present it in those terms, you know, somebody might think of like, oh, that sounds like a superhero, Iron Man or something. That's not real. And so then they might suddenly disconnect. But when you said earlier, I am anti-fragile, and you said it in a way that kind of alluded to it being an aspirational statement. But what I'm trying to get people to realize is that, no, you are yeah. anti-fragile right now already. And let me give you some examples. Your body is a perfect model for anti-fragility. If we stress a muscle, it causes it to grow. We don't go into the gym or a gym and say, can you please point me to the most comfortable weights and exercise routines that I can engage in, right? That, that's right. not how I'm stronger. And um, if we expose the body to germs and bacteria, that's what builds the immune system. So my point here is that our bodies are like the perfect model for anti-fragility and we just need to go get what's going on already in our bodies physically up in our heads mentally and when you do that it is this this unbelievable shift that happens in your thinking it's the difference between saying for example i process and handle stress well that's resilience mm. versus i embrace and look forward to stress that's anti-fragility speaking. Mm -hmm. And if you, if, you, if you step into that, suddenly like life, it just becomes like one big mental training camp. You know, every moment, challenge, adversity, thing that doesn't go your way. It's like a personal trainer coming up to you and saying, here, Mike, I have a weight for you. Um, and you can either step towards it and grab it and complete the repetition, become stronger as a result. Or you can run screaming with your hands waving in the air out of the gym and people are like, what the hell is up with that guy? Yep. And and that happens uh, both far more 
often in that uh, if you run away, it doesn't look like you're running away screaming. Like that, that, that image isn't happening in real visual time, but it's certainly happening internally. It's certainly happening, you know. The identity piece is really interesting because when I talk to um, Nir Eyal about uh, indistractability and in, it being, you know, that idea of traction versus distraction, he uses identity as a driver. Um, as someone who uh, has uh, just doesn't drink soda anymore, I'm not a soda drinker, it took me a while to get to that point because before it was, oh, I, I, I quit soda. I quit soda about six months ago or whatever. It's been yeah. since the July 2nd of 2020 that I haven't had soda. And it, it, it's amazing, again, words. It's amazing to go from, uh, oh, I'm quitting soda or I don't, to I don't drink, I'm not a soda drinker. Not I don't, but I am not. That noun, that attachment to it, like saying, again, I am a writer. And you allude, and we, we're going to get into the alarms here in a minute. But putting, again, that that idea of putting that, y- you you feel compelled to live up to that identity as opposed to, um, as opposed to not, because that drives you towards that. There's an intentionality there, and you get into intentionality and living with that, and 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 what happens when you have a lack of intentionality. And I'm I'm a big believer in like productivity. To me, is all about intention and attention. It's the the union of the two. So, so what what did you need to do to kind of hone some identity or identities for yourself in order to kind of pull you out from where you were when you said, Oh my goodness, like I don't want to be back where I was 35,000 feet in the air again. Yeah. Well, a big part of everything that I teach and try to communicate is to get people to realize that in some degree, shape or form, they're already doing the thing and they're already expert at it. So for example, with anti-fragility, it's like your body already does it. So Mm -hmm. you do it mentally with identity. You know, you're referring to how, identity drives behavior yeah and you return you're referring to how we can choose intentionally who we want to be and that is something we're all an expert at doing once again and i'm going to go back to childhood here and this is quite timely so that there is a post-it note uh that my seven-year-old drew of captain america and so um, yeah, if you're listening right now, so yeah, Captain America on a post-it note from my seven. Hold it there a bit longer so we can get a thumbnail. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. So now you'll be able to see it. We'll put in the sh- so if you're listening now, you get to see it as well. Go ahead, Eric. <laughs> yeah, cool. So, uh, so Leo is the name of my seven-year-old, and he he gave me that as a gift because I bought him a Captain America shield, and. When, when the Captain America shield arrived, I gave it to Leo and I did not have to then sit him down for Captain America behavioral training. Yeah. Like I gave him the shield and it immediately became Captain America and he was jumping around and he was like, hey, take the Nerf gun, Papa, and you know, shoot the shield. And, you know, and he went crazy when he heard the pings on the shield. And, you know, he just he immediately became that. And as children, we have this incredible ability to just pick an identity and immediately become whatever that is. Yeah. And no behavioral training required. It's the identity which drives the behavior. That's all the identity piece is in its essence, is us tapping back into what we are an expert at in our childhood, deciding what does best look like? What is a superhero version of you in the areas of life that matter most on the health front, on the wealth front, on the relationship front? Give it a name. It could be the name of a person. If you're into swimming, maybe you become Michael Phelps before you go into the pool. 
Um, it could be a phrase, you know, at 9 a.m. for years, you know, my uh, work identity, you know, was a uh, world's best CEO. And mm-hmm. that was a phrase that, um, that I used. But it needs to be something which inspires you, which represents you at your best within yep. that domain. And then behavior follows identity if you start with who you want to be first. Well, and what's interesting for myself personally is, I mean, you can, I mean, if you're watching this on the YouTube channel, you could see that I've got a Green Lantern ring, right? Like that's, at, reminders are key to, if you, because I, I, life happens. You can get caught up and I mean, the phrase comes up in the book, life's what happens when you're making other plans, that famous John Lennon quote, right? But yeah. the idea is, is that sometimes we can get caught up and it happens, Right. So for, for myself personally, I don't know about you, Eric. I mean, I'm looking behind your backdrop and you've got anything that's behind you in, in, your, in your office right now are probably gentle reminders of your identity, of some of the behavior that you want to. You could see if you're watching. I mean, you can see this right now, but anyone who's watching this can see that I've got some superhero stuff behind me. I'm wearing a Green Lantern ring. I've got uh, I put things there so that it's hard for me to lose sight of it. And you have to decide what's too much too because sometimes it, it's like anything else if you have too much of something your brain has a hard time filtering it so i don't do you have that do you have those reminders beyond the 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 three alarms which we're going to get to in a second that yeah. are that are that are there for you as well visually 100% um i have a a calendar on the wall and uh at the end of each day i put a w or an l based on to what degree did I live out my intention of showing up at my best on that day? So a W is I did my best in the context of that day. Not like I did everything perfectly, but right. the day I got a flat tire, well, then I do my best in the context of that reality. Um, and then and, uh, I get a W or I get an L for learn. And, um, and my game is never more than two L's in a row and no more than six in a month so that I'm 80% winning, you know? And so that's like a visual kind of it's, scoreboard. It's like a sports thing, too, because teams that when they lose, they learn something along the way. And sometimes you're going up against a team that's just going to I mean, they're way more powerful than you. But if you put up a good showing, that's still a win. One other thing right next to the calendar right above me right now, I'm, I'm half Norwegian, half American. So I'm kind of partial towards Scandinavia, as you can imagine. And it's a quote from the founder of Ikea. Mm. And it simply says you could do so much in 10 minutes time. 10 minutes once gone are gone for good. Divide your life into 10-minute units and sacrifice as few of them as possible in meaningless activity. You know, so that's like just a nice visual reminder from a very simple man who literally in a single lifetime went from a small town in Sweden to building a multi-billion dollar business. And then the third thing I would say for me visually, which you can kind of see around me, is, uh, uh, you know, books and and pictures, basically. So I, I love my books and I love, you know... You know, behind me, I got, you know, a picture of me and my 16-year-old surfing. I can see that, yeah. Me and my wife, Giselle, and then there's one, you know, it's a little bit off to the side, you can't see, but me, Giselle, uh, Alex, and Leo, so the 16 and the 7-year-old. So family, for me, is important. You know, so what does this say in summary? Family, for me, is important. Knowledge, for me, is important. Keeping score, for me, is important. And, you know, some kind of, ask, you know, aspirational quote or something from somebody who's like achieved that is important. So yeah, I have those visuals as well. Are you a small business owner struggling to find the right talent for your team? I've been there and I know how challenging it can be. That's why I recommend LinkedIn jobs. It's not just any job board. 
It's a community where you can find professionals who are the perfect fit for your business, many of whom aren't checking other job sites. In fact, 70% of LinkedIn users aren't visiting other leading job sites, making LinkedIn your best bet for finding top talent. With LinkedIn jobs, you can post your job and reach qualified candidates quickly. 86% of small businesses find a qualified candidate within 24 hours. And now you can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash conversation. That's right, for free. Don't miss out on finding top talent. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash conversation today. Terms and conditions apply. So let's get into the three alarms. I'm not going to dive too much into the productivity aspect because all I have to say is, number one, when you pick up the book, there's some productivity elements that you and I definitely share in common, one of which, which, which I'll touch on real briefly, is the evening routine being incredibly important. A lot of people devalue or undervalue those. Uh, so get into that in this book. But let's talk about the simplicity of this system. It's three alarms. It's like you have a phone. <laughs> you can set three alarms. And that's essentially, it. It again, it brings everything full circle, right? The talk about the, the, the three legs of the stool, the wealth, health, relationships. It brings all of those things, the identity, that like those other things that, that support it, anti-fragility, uh, the identity-based uh, element, the productivity element. How do you make these three alarms sing? By the way, there's stories of the three alarms in the back of this book too. So it's not just like Eric did this and that's it. It's you read stories of other people that have tried this. This is literally like, I'm not kidding, the simplest system to get to where you want to go that I've ever come across. So let's share those real quick, okay? So you've got three alarms. What are they and why are they there? Okay, so we got our three domains, health, wealth, and relationships, right? Are there other things that you can focus on? Of course there are. But from a productivity point of view, are they the 20% of domains that you can factor focus on for 80% of life improvement? I believe they are. Health, wealth, relationships. And then it's choose an identity, go back to your childhood. What is the superhero version of you? What would that version of you look like in each of those three areas? Give it a name. It can be related to a person on the health front that you at your best would aspire to be, a person on the work front, a person on the home front. You know, if I were to use people, I might be, you know, Michael Phelps, as I said, when I go yeah. swimming. When it comes time to work, I might be Elon Musk. And then when it comes time to switching into, you know, being a husband and father, maybe I turn into Mr. Rogers, right? Yeah. You know, whatever it may be. Um, I picked, I gravitated towards phrases and I thought, okay, me at my best on the health front, who am I? Who shows up in the gym in the morning? Me, Eric? No, no, no. World fitness champion. That's uh -huh. who shows Why? Well, because that will help with showing up to begin with because well, world fitness champion will go to the gym whether he or she feels like it or not, because that's what world fitness champions do. Yep. And I'll complete my workout with that kind of mentality as well. Um, at 9 a.m., uh, so, so, so then, sorry, so then I took my phone and I actually, at 6.30 a.m., I programmed into my phone an alarm. And you can name an alarm, whatever you like. And at 6.30 a.m., it goes off and it says world fitness champion, because that's when I go to the gym. And that's, at that time of day, that segment of the day would most benefit. I'm still other things at that time of day, but it will most benefit from being powered by that. Yeah, it raises it to the fore. Now, here's a quick question before you move on. Do you make those alarm tones distinct from, say, any other ones that you might have? So, for example, if I was setting the three alarms, it'd probably be like the three alarms would be one consistent type of tone, let's say. 
and then like a regular alarm would be something different. So that's one way to create some distinction around it, right? Well, in the three alarms 2.0, that's the only change to the book. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> You have to rewrite the whole thing for the. It's an addendum yes. at the, <laughs> the workbook. Um, no, but it's true, right? Like I think so. It's it's to your point about like using phrases versus using individuals that people can actually see, feel, you know, hear about. I mean, some people might want to use like the Warren Buffetts or, or the Michael Phelps or the Michael Jordans or whatever. But there is a risk there for some people that might say, well, what if they didn't do something? What if they what if they're in the news and they don't do something that hot? That's going to maybe de that might throw me off my game or derail me. So if I go with something a bit generalized, you know, find maybe this just right that fits for me. But that's the great thing about this too. It's so simple and you can, like. you, can, you can play with it. Pick whatever you like, yeah. change the times around, whatever. Um, so 6.30 a.m., that first alarm goes off to mm -hmm. remind me to step into that identity on my yep. way to the 9 a.m., the next alarm goes off. World's best CEO to prompt me to think how would if i was the world's best ceo what does that mean how am i going to show up today how decisive am i going to be inspiring reliable for others um you know what will i be doing in the context of today the most important one for me though is at 6 30 p.m and that alarm for me says world's best husband and father i'm not the world's best at any of these things but it's just that it inspires me to shoot for something higher there, there there's a great quote from pro i like pro wrestlers that's one of my avatars if i was gonna do fitness stuff i'd probably like look like want to look like chris jericho or one of these other guys but chris jericho has this quote and it's really so i've always loved it i'm the best in the world at what i do is what he says and people know he's a wrestler but he's so ambiguous you can get away with like so you can say i'm the best for like you could say I'm the best in the world at what I do. Well, yeah. Like, I mean, that's clear. So again, ambiguity can play a nice role in there too. But knowing, I mean, the thing is, is that it's not, a, I wouldn't say it's aspirational per se. Do you know what I mean? Like when you say that, I don't think it's, like you said, it's that anti-fragile component, right? Yeah. And it's, it, it's um, most importantly, it's intentional. And right. It's and, and, and you're marrying the attention to it because the alarm brings it to your attention. Yeah. And it's a difference between going throughout your day with having no intention, like going into a shooting range and being blindfolded and hoping that you're going to come near to the target um, versus at least, you know, even if you're a bad shot, at least if you could see where the target is, you might get somewhat close to it. Right. Right. And um, so at 6.30 p.m., uh, the last alarm goes off. It says world's best husband and father to prompt the question, how would the world's best husband and father walk through that door right, right now? And that intentionality was so powerful for me because instead of the family just getting the leftovers, um, like the family started to get, okay, well, no, I, you know, me at my best, what does that mean? You know, am I going to sit down and, um, you know, make sure that, you know, my boys are doing their reading, make sure I'm helping them with their homework, make sure that I play a game with them that I know that they like. Um, and when my wife, uh, you know, when Giselle says, <clears throat> can you help me with dinner? Well, before that intentionality, oh, you know, yeah. uh, tired. after that intentionality, well, how, how does the world's best husband respond to the question? Can you help me with dinner? And I notice once I put this intentionality cues in play that these questions started to feature in my head and I started to have these pause moments 
And I started to think before I would utter a response, how do I respond to that? And can you help me with dinner? Yes, of course I can help you with dinner. What would you like me to do? Mm-hmm. Because that's how the world's best husband would respond. Of course. Right? Of course. And, and, and what's great is you mentioned the, the pause comes up in this book too, but you're right. When you intention paired with attention really puts you in the right frame of mind because, Beautiful. because, and I've said this before about productivity is intention without attention is powerless, right? And attention without intention is aimless. And we tend to go, we, we, we have a hard time getting those like unified, right? Yes. You, you've done that because again, when, when intention shows up with attention, you, attention, you can take that. You don't feel pressured to make, fill every, every moment or every, every second with, with something because you have this intention that's going to go, hold on, wait. And it's like, it literally takes 10 seconds. If that to go, wait, what, you know, it, you, you need to have those in place. And, and again, when I, as I went through it, especially when I, and I'm going to link to Eric's podcast, Eric beyond the to-do list, because when, b- before I read the book and I was listening to you on Eric's podcast, I'm like, this is just, it's a perfect partnership of, of intention and attention that anyone can do. Anyone can do. Anyone. Yeah. And it's, and it's exciting because you start to, you start to feel like you're winning by just reacting better to the day-to-day life that is constantly unfolding around you and constantly giving you opportunities to score points and win or actually to perform poorly and then later feel bad about yourself. But because you have this intentionality, you suddenly recognize the opportunities better. Mm -hmm. You're more aware and you make the right decision more often. At first, it feels like a chore. Sure. Right? Can you help me with dinner? I'm going to keep going back to this one. Can you help me with dinner? <laughs> you know, and it's like, oh. <laughs> yeah. And then you even, you even have that sigh inside. Oh, I know the right answer. Uh, yeah. Yes. I don't really want to do it, but the world's best husband and father would totally do it. In fact, you could take it a step further. Go, help you with dinner. I'll just cook dinner. Uh, but that's <laughs> but that uh, interestingly that might not be what the world's best husband or father would do in that moment because that's not what she asked. She asked for help. She didn't ask you to do it. So again, it it creates what you've done is you've primed yourself, right? Like like you said, you can react, but you've also been proactive in setting up some kind of simple framework that yeah. allows you to react accordingly instead of just react, right? One of the definitions of success is when opportunity meets preparation and your day is constantly presenting opportunities to you on the health front, on the wealth front, on the home front, opportunities for you to act in a way that's congruent with the best in you and opportunities for you to miss those opportunities or act in a way that's incongruent. And as you start to act more and more congruently with you at your best, which by the way, you get to define, you get to create all the answers and score as high as you like on all these exams. So as you act more and more congruently, you start to close that gap between your current and best self. And you start to literally groove new neural patterns to the point where these responses just become second nature and they just become you. And as you've acted as if you were this person, you eventually become that person. You know, it's like James Clear in Atomic Habits talks about the etymology of the word identity being linked to two different Latin words, which separately mean repeated beingness. 
And yeah, you know, the more we act in a certain way, although it might feel foreign, the current and best self eventually fuses. We become, you know, Clark Kent becomes Superman. We become one and the same. We become effortlessly that new thing we've always aspired to be. Well, and going back to the Captain America message, I mean, Captain America and Steve Rogers were intrinsically linked, right? You know, yes. especially in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It was like whether he wore the mask or not, he was he, he was that he was that. Um, Eric, this has been great. Um, thanks so much for taking the time today. The book is called The Three Alarms, A Simple System to Transform Your Health, Wealth, and Relationships Forever. And I, I, I encourage you to pick up this book because, number one, it's got everything you need in it. Number two, it's not exactly, you know, filler. There's – which you and I have read our fair share of, of nonfiction books over the years. And to get it, it, it doesn't read – I guess the interesting thing about it is that uh, it reads like a book without all of the filler pieces, whereas sometimes books this small read like you know assembled blog posts and stuff like that. This is not that. Um, no. This is this is what you need. So the three alarms. Where can you pick up the book, Eric? So Amazon, of course, has the book, and um, obviously would love if you go there. But look, if you, if you if you listen this far, and if you'd um, if if you want to pick up a free digital copy, you can go to my website as well, and you can get a free digital copy of the book on the site. Um, it's nothing fancy. It's a PDF, but um, you can get it on Amazon or on the website. So ericpartaker.com. Eric, thanks again for taking the time today to join me on the Productivity is Podcast. Thanks so much, Mike. Thanks a lot. Thanks to Eric for joining me and having a productive conversation. This one's been, you know, in the docket for a while. I'm glad we made it happen. Really simple, simple productivity tips that you could take from this conversation. I hope you start to apply them today. I also hope that you check out all the things we discussed and explore things further by going to productivityist.com slash podcast 393 or just, you know, going over the show notes in the app that you're using right now to listen to this if you are using an app. And if you are, hit that subscribe button. Don't miss a single episode that's coming down the pipeline, including next episode where I will be speaking to Christopher Carter about the permission to glow. There's a lot to unpack during that conversation. I can't wait to bring it to you. Uh, and and by the way, I really encourage you, if you want to support the show, don't just leave a rating and review in wherever you are listening to the podcast, whether it's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever, but also support our sponsors. The sponsors of A Productive Conversation help keep the lights on, help keep the show going strong. And I really encourage you to check out all of the sponsors. You can actually look at all of the sponsors that we have for the podcast. If you go to productivities.com slash podcast sponsors, all of our sponsors are listed there. But don't forget to check out the ones, of course, that we, we, we heard from during this conversation. That's it for this time around. I'm Mike Vardy, the host of A Productive Conversation with Mike Vardy, reminding you to stop doing productive and start being productive. I'll see you later.